if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and get that out. If you're, if you're new to church, don't have a Bible, or don't know much about the Bible, uh, you can certainly, you probably have a phone. You could type these things in and the scriptures will come up. Uh, and uh, good, good, good. So we want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. Now, now healing is the right and privilege of every believer today. All right, just as, as anyone can come to the Lord for forgiveness of sins and you, you be forgiven. Anyone can also come to the Lord for healing. And be healed. Amen. Anyone. Everyone. And uh, like we mentioned a moment ago while we were praising God, his answer to you is yes. If he promised it, if he said it in his word, he's not going to tell you no. You are not the exception. You're not that special. <laughs> no, you actually are that special, but the answer is yes to every single one of us. Now, one of the great tools the Lord has left us to aid in multiple things, but one of them is healing, a big one is healing, is the practice, the participation of receiving communion, yeah. all right? Uh, or some may call it the Lord's Supper, all right? That is a healing mechanism. Yep. That is a, 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 an ordinance given by God to help people to live strong and live long, all right, to overcome sickness and disease. Now, it's interesting how many Christian groups through history have received communion many, many times through their lives, and they never have known that healing was a part of it. Probably most, which is very unfortunate. Uh, but thank God we know better. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, Paul writes here to the believers, the church in Corinth. He said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Now, he received from the Lord. He doesn't go into how that happened because Paul wasn't there on the, the night, you know, before Jesus was crucified with the 12. So the Lord must have shared this with him afterward in some form. He doesn't give the details, but he said he got it from the Lord. He said that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, so get the picture. This is that table where everyone sits on the wrong, on one side, right? Well, that's in the painting anyway. It probably didn't do that. They probably went all around the table, but but that's what this is. This is the Lord and with his disciples right before he was betrayed that same night. He said, take, eat, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what happened to his body? It was broken, right? Take, eat, this is my body. He's probably pulling apart some bread at the, at the moment when he's saying this. Uh, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft, often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we have been given explicit instructions as to what we are to do in order to stir up our memory of, uh, of, of what the Lord did, calling to mind the major event that changed all of human history when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus was punished and he suffered on our behalf. And so we do this. Uh, Christians have been doing this for thousands of years and it's to serve as, a, as an aid, a memory tool. Do this. And when you do it, call to mind. When you do this, remember things. Remember, let your mind be, be filled with the fact that Jesus died for you, that he suffered, his body was broken, his blood was shed. If, if we forget, you know, like most scriptures or most messages that we hear taught, don't forget this. Everybody with me? Yeah. Uh, we don't have one of these aids going with every message or every truth that we can proclaim, or every teaching. But we have one concerning this, because the Lord says this is the main thing. Amen. Don't forget this. Now, what, what does remembering Jesus' uh, body broken and blood shed do for us? Well, I can see two things that jump out to me right away, uh, is that this teaches us the love of God. Jesus on the cross for me shows me big time what self, selflessness is, what sacrifice is, what someone who didn't deserve any punishment and he's taking it all, that shows me how to live. That, show, that shows me how to relate to other people. He laid down his life for us. You see, uh, the, 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 the believers there in Corinth had a love problem, all right? Their love problem, when you can read the verses before the ones we read, is they, would, they turned communion into uh, a big feast and they were self-centered and so they, some would pe people were just hoarding food and drinking and other people didn't have any and they were not considerate of one another at all. They were self-centered. Remembering Jesus on the cross, what is that? That's the opposite of what they were doing. So they were missing the whole point, yet they were calling it, you know, their, their Lord's Supper, communion. And, and Paul's saying, you guys are doing this completely wrong. You are way out of whack when it comes to what Jesus intended for this experience. And so they were disregarding many of them among, uh, among themselves. Now, uh, we also then, when, I, when we see Jesus on the cross, we can see that we are equally saved or lost. <laughs> but it's, it's equal in this regard. Rich, poor, young, and old. It doesn't matter. Our standing with God is based on the exact same event. There are no fast passes, right? Uh, if you've been to, you know, what do you call that? Uh, pedophile park? Or, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Disneyland. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? 
Sorry. <laughs> when, it, when, when, it comes to, when it comes to Jesus on the cross, suffering and dying for people, we are all in the same boat. And that's something that sometimes people have an issue with. They were doing it. They weren't treating each other the same. You can see through history, people like to do this. Sometimes they like to do it because people's skin color is a little bit different shades than somebody else, or they're from a different place, different economic status, all this stuff, and people treat each other different. Communion is supposed to wipe all that out because Jesus is on the cross. God so loved the the world, right? And so uh, it, everyone is the same. When, I, when I'm recalling Jesus for me, I see what he did for me, he did for you. What he did for you, he did equally for me. I'm not less than you, you're not less than me. We're in the same boat, right? I'm either lost or I'm found. I'm either with God or I'm without God. But if we're with God, how many know we're equally with God? Uh, there are not different levels of heaven. How many know that to be the case? There's heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. And hell, of course, but heaven and earth. And I say, well, doesn't it say heavens and earth? Yeah, but that's talking about the atmospheric heaven, the stellar heavens, and then planet heaven. The place, the throne of God where he is. And if you're saved, we're all going to the same same heaven. None of us are going to a lesser heaven. Hallelujah. Sometimes religion gets in here and starts doing other things and, and, and there's no purgatory. There's nothing like that. It's just when, when a believer dies absent of the body, present with the Lord. Okay. If you're a believer, you're, you're one minute you're breathing here. The next minute you're breathing there. All right. You go straight to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I didn't plan to say any of that. Especially the Disney thing. <laughs> uh, but the Lord's, okay, so I'm supposed to remember him. I'm going to use this thing and remember what the Lord did. Now, I'm remembering, based, and that, that stirs up in me, he loves me. And he loves everybody equally. I'm also seeing then, I'm remembering that the reason he was on the cross. And what was that? Well, he died so I could live, right? He, uh, he suffered so I could be comforted. He was cursed so I can be blessed. And whenever I think about what Jesus did on the cross, that was to make my life better. It was to make your life better. So why should I remember Jesus? <laughs> How about this? For your own benefit, yeah, yeah, we should be thankful. It should cause glory to be given to God. But I'm remembering what he did for me because I want to take full advantage of what he did. Now, now verse 26 reads, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Say, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> if you receive communion... You are a preacher, right? Our, our participation in communion is a proclamation that Jesus died for us, right? That he died, and, and also you can see, it's also proclaiming that he's alive. 
Because until he comes, I'm proclaiming he's alive and he's coming back. Because I'm going to do this until he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So you can see that uh, participating in the communion elements is no small thing with the Lord. It should not be taken lightly. Uh, it should be a very holy moment, a very serious moment. And someone might, might ask, well, what, what manner would be considered unworthy? In other words, what method, what way could we possibly partake of communion in a, in a manner that is unworthy, an unworthy manner? Well, um, I can see several that are listed right here in the passage. All right. Uh, you can see that if, you, if someone is taking um, part in the Lord's Supper and they have, the, you know, they have envying and strife in their life. In other words, those divisions he talked about, there's divisions among you. He said that would certainly wouldn't be a worthy method of taking communion. What should we do with divisions among us? We, we should know that that is the opposite of the love of God. All right, that's what Jesus came to get rid of. If we hold ought against anybody, we hold unforgiveness. If we're, if we're just against people, that's the, that's the kind of stuff we don't want to be a part of this celebration. Again, we're proclaiming, one thing we're proclaiming is forgiveness. How many know forgiveness for me is also forgiveness for you? Forgiveness for me is also forgiveness to that person I want to get back. So you see how it's incompatible to say, oh, Lord, thank you for shedding your blood for me. Yeah, what about the other, that other dude? Because he shed his blood for them too. Amen. Yeah, and so that's that, that, uh, that, un, that, that would be unworthy, another unworthy manner, all right, uh, by taking um, communion and it's just more of a, I'm remembering a historical fact, like the Jews, of course, would remember the Passover in Egypt we're just celebrating, commemorating a, a, a historical fact. That's not significant enough. Um, by taking it in gluttony and drunkenness, that would be bad. That, you see, you read this whole passage, you get some of that. Now, obviously, the way we receive communion in our house, that's not even possible. <laughs> right? Uh, well, we're, we're taking such small quantities and the cup is not fermented. <laughs> and so there's no risk of us doing that. But you can see that would be one of the unworthy manners. Uh, by taking uh, communion in, in irreverence to God and his church. By doing it in disregard or disrespect to the poor and needy. Those, would be, those are all things that are mentioned here. And, and here's a big one that is, is real important. Especially, well all these are important for, for our night and for the healing result that's going to take place, um, is, is it would be an unworthy manner if I received communion without the knowledge and faith in what Jesus did for me. If, if, 
If I am taking this in unbelief, meaning not recognizing the true significance of the stripes that Jesus took on his back for my healing. If I'm taking this and not conscious of the very power that is contained in the blood to wash away all sin, to establish a covenant with God between ourselves and, and him. I believe that would be unworthy. Now, an unworthy manner. People do that sometimes ignorantly. They just don't know. But to the best of our knowledge, I want to grasp the full weight of what it means. So that when I'm participating, there's a sense of awe in me. Whoa. I'm just I'm coming into contact with the eternal plan of God, the righteous redemption that God planned for all of, of mankind that we could be saved and healed and delivered and set free and blessed and not cursed. It's all wrapped up in what Jesus did. And this is a holy moment to me. I, I can't just, I, I, I couldn't take the communion elements and, you know, receive the bread and uh, check my watch, see if there's any notifications and, you know, and drink the cup and, uh, you know, and talk to a friend. No. How many think, no, I can't do that. This is precious to me. Okay. Then you are, I believe, approaching this in a holy way. It's a holy way. But also, here, here's what we're going to do. And this is what's real important to God. Jesus sacrifice, his body broken and blood shed were both for very important and significant and specific reasons. I don't want to eat the communion bread and plan to stay sick. No, because he paid too high a price for that. That's irreverent. That's an unworthy manner. That's, that's unworthy for, uh, of me taking... He suffered so. He took my disease. He bore the curse. And if you've never heard any of this, you read Isaiah 53, and it gives a, a good prophecy about that. Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. Okay, if you can write those that fast. Uh, uh, those are scriptures that, tell, that show us that what Jesus did included our healing of our body as well as other things, okay? And so I don't want to take it and not release faith. I'd rather not receive it than to receive it without expectation of things changing in my body if they're, if they're wrong. Or, or any kind of curse operating in my life. Bad dreams in the night, you know, shakes and trembles in, the, in your hands or uh, other circulatory things that are, no, I'm not going to, all that's going to stop. All that ceases. You know, people have, I'll just say what comes to me while I'm talking, I'm just preaching here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, sexual problems, dysfunction, and whatever th those things are called, uh, stops. Amen. It stops. Why? Because Jesus suffered big time. And this stuff, what we're going to do, it represents. It's symbolic of that very act. My job is just to believe what he did. When I believe in what he did, I'm taking this in a worthy manner. It honors God when people say, yes, this blood that this cup represents is powerful enough. I am not going to live guilty the rest of my days. 
I'm not going to walk around feeling bad about the stupid things I've done in my life. I'm not going to carry that anymore. I'm going to receive this in a worthy manner. His blood is more powerful than my sin. That's worthy. That's a worthy way to take it. And every disease. Hallelujah. And so, another way I could say this, I think an unworthy manner would be to make it natural. Would be, I'm receiving, again, our quantities are small, so this is of lower risk than for them. I'm receiving communion because I'm hungry. I'm receiving communion because I like the taste, or I'm not receiving it because I don't like the taste, or something. No, I'm not going there. No. So if I make it natural, or if I just make it religious, I'm doing this out of you know, religious obligation or others expect me to or something like that or somehow I'm unworthy if I don't or some, I'm just re religiously or ritualistically doing it. That's a problem, all right? Now you can, you can do this kind of stuff in faith every day of your life if you want. It can be that holy and it can be real and be that frequent. I would rather do it once a year in faith than every day not in faith. Or once a month in a religious way. I think once a year would be more powerful. But like I said, someone could do it every day, every week, every month, and do it in a, in a godly way. All right? It just depends on what's happening in us. I think most of our relationship with God is that way. He would, isn't it? Where our prayers, our Bible reading, it's not just, oh, here I go, I have to. Our tithing is drudgery and, you know, sad. And No, no, we, we, it's a living relationship. We should keep these things holy. Amen? Amen. You know, a friend, a friend of ours, uh, some of you know uh, Pastor Glenn, uh, Pastor Glenn Johnson. He, he told the story, you may have heard him tell it before, but uh, in his church, he was having all kinds of problems. This is a side note, by the way. This is just a holy thing. Uh, his church, people were having financial problems. His church was having financial problems years ago. And, and, and the Lord talked to him and said, uh, and, and told him, you need to uh, keep the tithe holy. And he said what was happening, and he compared it to communion, actually, when he was teaching. And again, I'm not quoting him verbatim by any means. But he said, when we, when we would receive communion, it would have this sense of holiness. Like I said, people aren't checking their phone and doing talking to other, others while they're receiving communion because they know this is big time. But he said when people were giving, they were doing all that stuff. They're getting up and going to the bathroom and talking and, and, uh, you know, and, and just goofing around. And their giving wasn't holy to them. And so he wrote, he wrote a little book on the tithe being holy. And he said when he did that and he preached in his church, all kinds of things changed. People's financial miracles came up and the church finances came up. And it was all, it wasn't necessarily they, they did something different financially, but they did it in a different way. It's not just what we do, it's how we do it. All right, back to this, back to, back to the message. Okay, so Paul here, um, well, he's, he used this, this phrase in that same verse, examine yourself, okay? So what is our self-examination here? Not to see if we've ever done anything wrong. We have. 
<laughs> We're not disqualifying ourselves because of some sin we've committed. Here, I'm examining myself to see if I'm approaching this with the Lord in mind. I'm remembering what he did, not remembering all the wrong things I did. Is everybody with me? Approaching the Lord in a worthy manner doesn't mean you've lived a perfect life because none of us can do it then. It means I'm mindful of him and his sacrifice and what he has done for me. My self-examination is how am I approaching receiving these elements? Is it holy? Is it, am I, am I receiving the benefit of what he did for me? All right, am I right with God? If I am, why am I? All right, now Paul, again, was writing these things to correct the manner in which they were receiving communion. It had become something that the Lord didn't intend when he first initiated this on the night he, he was betrayed. And so, again, one of the reasons we just receive a symbolic amount of, of the cup and the, and the bread um, is because of this reason. This is such a big thing, and that in their day, and I think it's still happening, we just don't know it or don't make the connection, but he said this is basically killing people in your church. It's killing people by you guys doing this wrong. <laughs> Could that still be happening? People say, well, I just don't understand why so-and-so died. Well, maybe they did communion wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. You understand what wrong means again now. Understand, don't keep this in context. Wrong doesn't mean that they sinned somewhere else, uh, did, did something wrong in their life. It's, it's, it's lack of reverence and revelation of what Jesus' death on the cross means for us. Amen. That would be the wrong. It's not believing right when they partake of these things. All right, verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak. Weak, <laughs> weak is weak and sick together. <laughs> it's a way to conserve words and save time. Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep, that doesn't mean they're sleepy. It means they die. That's what that means in the scripture. They die early. Weak, sick, and dead. For, I, I, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So, according to this passage, discerning the Lord's body is key to health and long life. Did you notice the biblical prescription for health and long life is not diet and exercise? All right? That's not what the Lord prescribes. All right? What he does prescribe is discerning the Lord's body. That's what keeps people strong and long, living long, right? And so uh, even in their day, by the way, in their day, uh, they had lots of sick people and no fast food. So, <laughs> you think, well, if we just got rid of the fast food, I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm not making any opinions there right now. But I'm saying they didn't have it and they still had lots of sick people. Right? And lots of dead people. Right? I mean, dying, dying young. So, it's just wrong for us to all automatically go there and say it's all about that. No, it's about discernment of the Lord's body, okay? So, 
when we say this, when we read this scripture about discerning the Lord's body, there is a question that some have, and it's a fine question, of whether the Lord's body here refers to believers, the body of Christ, or his body here refers to Jesus' physical body on the cross, broken for us, all right? And I, I believe the answer is yes to both. That it is a, 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 a dual message here. You can see the context reveals their lack of love towards one another. That was what was happening in the church. But take out communion from 1 Corinthians 11. It exists by itself because Jesus instituted it on the night of his betrayal. What did it reference? Same thing Paul said here. It's Jesus' body broken. What do you mean? Like the body of Christ, like divided? No, that was used symbolically to deal with their present issues. But his body broken literally means him on the cross. The brutal punishment, the stripes, the beating, and the death. That's his body broken, his blood shed for us. So that's what it, 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 it is referring to, his death on the cross. That's where our sickness was born by him. That's why discerning the Lord's body, you could, you could make a case for it being both, but the body of Christ wasn't broken for us. His phys, when I say the body of Christ, us, Christians, division, no. The body of Christ, his physical body was broken for us. That's where we see again and again and again in scripture, it's tied to healing, okay? So my discernment of the body is primarily understanding what Jesus went through and what Jesus did for me and you on the cross. Hallelujah. So this is most definitely communion is a celebration of our redemption. We've been purchased back. We've been bought back from sin, from death, from the curse. Jesus gave us this victory. And so the way we receive communion today correctly is to be discerning of the Lord's body. That's the correct way to receive communion. It, it, this is the recognition of the price he paid for us that Jesus bore our sickness and disease so we could be healed. Again, I'm worth, the worthy way that I'm going to receive communion is by his stripes I was healed. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, that honors him because then that activates his power in our physical body. And so it, it is participation with the purchased family of God where each member has been washed equally. Each one has received equal righteousness and right standing before God and not seeing others in Christ as well as yourself is a failure to recognize the full scope of this redemption. But we see each other in Christ. He died for you. He died for me. But my calling to mind this great event keeps me from being complacent or dismissive or in any way irreverent concerning this most holy act. Because when I do it right... When I do it in light of the knowledge of my redemption, I intersect the very power and life of God that, I mean, I tell you, it took God thousands of years to put this thing together. Thousands of years from when he prophesied 
in, the, in Genesis that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That seed of the woman was Jesus born in the flesh. That serpent's head was the devil and his authority. And, and, and it took thousands of years, but it came to pass. And Jesus redeemed us. And he said, don't you ever forget this. And this is what we'll celebrate forever. This is our redemption. But for now, for here, for here, right here today, this is our doorway into complete health. This is our entrance into complete and total victory over, over the curse of disease that ravages the human race. We're not talking about a natural, a natural cure here. We're not talking about special drops of this and special, you know, uh, uh, you know, when they dis special discovery over here. We're talking about intersecting with the power of God that will bypass and supersede our our understanding. But all of a sudden, it'll work. All of a sudden, that body part will work. All of a sudden, that organ will start functioning again. It'll come alive quickly. It'll come alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I tell you, sometimes we want to make, make things too natural. And, you know, the scriptures talk about, which we're not doing tonight, but uh, uh, anointing with oil uh, for healing. That's a different method of healing. But they'll say, yeah, there's, there's healing qualities in oil. Stop it. That's not what that means. That's symbolic of God's power. I don't know about any healing qualities. That's not what we're supposed to think about when anointing people with oil. We're supposed to think about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Amen. We receive communion. It's, there's no special ingredients. <laughs> Meaning with healing properties. No special seeds that we found or something. No, it's not about that. It's about this represents the great power of God that delivers me from sickness and disease. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Praise God. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for working in us today. Thank you for showing us your way.